You're listening to the Bible Brush Up Podcast, and today we're launching into a new reading plan for a new year, and that reading plan is 90 Days Wise, and we are focusing upon the wisdom literature of Scripture. And if you're not familiar with that term, wisdom literature, you're basically looking at four specific books in the Bible, Um, though wisdom can be sprinkled throughout any of the genres, um, but there are entire books that are classified as the wisdom writings, and the first one being the Proverbs, which come from a very wise king, Solomon, who had asked God for wisdom, Uh, so he's definitely got the credentials for writing this type of literature, and uh, that shows in some of his other writings. Uh, He is credited with being the one writing Ecclesiastes, which, which also falls in this genre, wisdom literature, and the Song of Solomon also falls in this genre. So all that Solomon put his hand to falls inside of this classification, wisdom literature. But then one final book, uh, the book of Job, falls into this category as well. There are some who would say that the book of James is primarily wisdom literature, and as I said before, you'll find wisdom literature sprinkled throughout many of Jesus's teachings that are uh, proverbial by nature would fall into the wisdom literature. But as a whole, these books are wisdom. Um, they, they fall within this category. Um, one of the reasons primarily is just the way it's constructed and the content uh, within it. What makes something wisdom literature? Isn't all of God's teaching and all of inspiration to make us wise and to make us um, more knowledgeable? Well, of course. But wisdom literature is classified as such because it hones in on very general principles and truths that can be applied to almost anybody universally, uh, regardless of the circumstances of their life. Whereas if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you're going to find out that a lot of the truths come in a very specific way. They're stated specifically for the Corinthian church, and we have to do the heavy lifting of removing all the circumstantial elements of that writing in order to apply the principles to our current situation, which may be far different from the Corinthian church. However, when you read the wisdom literature, most of it comes in a very generic package that we can just take and use right away. We don't have to do any of that heavy lifting. And so that's one of the reasons why wisdom literature um, is very easily received by most of the world. Many people would say, yeah, I don't have any problem at all reading the book of Proverbs, even if they are not monotheistic, even if they are not Christian uh, or not Jewish. uh, Many people receive the Proverbs as very enlightening and very um, positive source for guiding their life um, because these principles seem to function and work well in the world that God has created, uh, even for people who do not acknowledge that God has created that world. Uh, And so many of the truths that you'll read in like the book of Proverbs, they arise from the experiences and observations of the writer in life. So there are parts of scripture in other genres that the knowledge given and received and written down for us to read and to um, believe, those truths would never come to us in any other way. That's called special revelation. Uh, So if it weren't for the writings, I would never know that Jesus is 
God's son. If it weren't for the writings, I would never know that Jesus is coming again one day. And uh, there are many aspects of theology that we would not know if God did not tell us. But there are many aspects of theology that we can know simply by looking around us, and that is called natural revelation. So you have special revelation and natural revelation, and wisdom literature tends to focus primarily on natural revelation. And so you look in the sky and you see a multitude of stars, and you see a sun that comes up every day and it heats the planet and it allows things to grow. And you make all these observations, and especially with our technology, we can look through telescopes and see that these stars are millions of light years away and that the cosmos are just enormous. Well, from that natural observation, we can conclude that our God is very, very, very big. And uh, so that would be an example of the wisdom literature using the source material around us, the things that we see every day, and not just us here in this state on this continent, but everybody can look up and see the stars. Everybody can look and see uh, how beautiful and majestic the creation is and come to conclusions about God based on that. And not just conclusions about God. Sometimes it's conclusions about one another. We can look around and see that there are evil people. Every culture can do that. We can look around and see that some people are hard workers and some people are lazy. And every culture can look and see and observe those truths. And so the wisdom literature will take these observations and experiences and group them together into pithy sayings that we can take and memorize and use to conduct our own lives uh, in a righteous way based on these observations and these truths that have been gathered and gleaned by uh, the wise people who wrote them down in the past. So wisdom literature demonstrates how mankind should use their God-given resources to understand the world God has made. And wisdom literature will cover a multitude of ideas. They, uh, you'll find finances being discussed in the wisdom literature, politics, raising kids, going to war, forming business partnerships, marriage, and a host of other things. Um, so as you read through this, you're not going to be able to sit down and do a systematic study on one particular topic because as you read through the Proverbs, you're going to be pinging back and forth between numerous themes and topics, and you won't spend much time on any given one, but what you will find is that you will return to each topic as you continue through the chapters. And so while it may discuss uh, marital faithfulness in one chapter, uh, it may be that it drops that topic. It begins talking about finances and speaking of um, politics or whatever, and then four chapters later, you're back at marriage again and parenting. And um, so th those are just some examples of the ideas and topics that may be discussed. And you just have to sort of store up in your mind each of these topics and maybe write a list and write what it has to say about it. Um, because as you go through it, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride uh, as far as gathering specific information about one particular issue. Um, this makes context very difficult for the Proverbs and for wisdom literature 
as a whole. Uh, whereas in a narrative or in a prophetic book, you can read the chapter before and the chapter after, and that will help you interpret the chapter that you're in. Knowing the context is key. Um, whereas context here works a little bit differently. It's not the context of literature surrounding the particular verse that you're in, but rather the context of thought and content that comes throughout the entire book. And so you have to keep tabs on that, uh, which may mean that you have to hold on to a thought for eight chapters until you revisit the topic again. Uh, so I hope that helps you as you move through the Proverbs. That probably means you need to be diligent in note-taking and be jotting down some thoughts and notes about the topics that interest you, which hopefully they all interest you, but maybe there are specific things that stand out to you right now, and you need to jot those down until you get to that topic again later on in the Proverbs or in some of the other wisdom writings. Um, there are two main types of wisdom literature, the first one being proverbial, and that's those short, pithy sayings that we were discussing. That's uh, what you find in the book of Proverbs. Um, the book is called Proverbs because it is a collection of Proverbs. A proverb is a short, pithy saying uh, that states rules for personal happiness and welfare. And you'll find Proverbs spoken by Jesus. You'll find Proverbs um, given in our own uh, context today. There are little sayings that we use all the time that are proverbial. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. That's a proverb. And one of the things you'll notice about those little sayings and those proverbs is they are general principles. They are not promises. So there's no promise that if you eat an apple every single day that you will never, ever have to go to the doctor. You could be eating an apple when a truck hits you and you're going to have to go to the doctor. So while the proverb is giving us a principle to live by, which basically means uh, if you eat healthy, you won't have to go to the doctor near as much. That is a general principle that is probably true. You won't be as sick and full of illness if you put healthy things in your body. But it's, it's not a promise. Okay? There are people, I, I've known health nuts that have died young from uh, causes that were supposed to have been avoided, you know, cancers and uh, other diseases that healthy eating and exercise should have prevented, but it didn't. Uh, so it's not guaranteed. And we can apply that even to biblical proverbs. You know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away is not from the scripture. Uh, however, there are proverbs in the scripture that we can't take as guaranteed promises they are general principles. For instance, uh, the Bible has several Proverbs that talk about those who work hard will have money. And that's generally true. Those who are lazy have less generally than those who are hard workers. However, you might work very, very hard your entire life and then catastrophe hits. You might battle cancer. You may have um, some kind of natural disaster, hurricane, earthquake, whatever it may be, that it consumes all of your hard-earned resources that you've spent so much time gathering up over your life through hard work. And this is one example. Another example in Scripture is that you, um, the, the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Well, that's generally true. Generally, if we raise our children a certain way, and we point them to the biblical truth of Scripture, and we 
uh, reinforce these ideas throughout their childhood that God is good and that Jesus has come to save and that if we put our faith and trust in him and live for him, um, that we will be on the right path. Most of the time, children will embrace that, but not every time. There are some times where parents do everything right and a child still rebels. Um, So generally speaking, that is the truth. But a proverb is a proverb and not a promise. And so we can't hold people accountable for failing in this. If, for instance, their child ends up wayward, we can't say, well, you should have trained them right. Because God promised that if you raised them right, they wouldn't depart from it. No, he didn't promise that. He gave a proverb that's a general principle that if we raise them in that way, that's the way they will go. So make sure that you hold to that distinction. Uh, So that's the first type of wisdom literature is the proverbial little sayings. The, The second type is speculative wisdom. And these are monologues or dialogues which attempt to delve into such problems as the meaning of existence and the relationship between God and man. And so speculative wisdom is practical and empirical, not theoretical. And the problems of human existence are discussed in terms of concrete examples. Um, So Job, for instance, there was a man whose name was Job. We have a very concrete example here. We have a man and his name and his family circumstances that are given. And the entire dialogues that we read in the chapters following the initial story that we get are all around this um, this event of Job's wealth going away and his children dying and uh, all the disease that comes to him. All that is discussed is about this. So we're trying to find out, why do people suffer? That's the question. And so all of the dialogue is trying to get at this concrete example of Job and find out the wisdom behind human suffering. And uh, that's probably somewhat what's going on in the Song of Solomon. We have examples of a a man and a woman and the dialogue that goes back and forth between those two and between the woman and her brothers. Uh, All the conversations that are going on are to give us insight into human relationships and what what is a healthy, pure, faithful marriage. What is it to look like? What are the expectations. Uh, And so that is a very different type of wisdom literature, but still getting at the heart of some of these matters that are important to all people. Everybody wants to know what the point of human suffering is. Everybody wants to know what a healthy marriage looks like. Everybody wants to know, uh, you know, where, where love comes from and, and what are the expressions of love that are um, the, the most pure and true. And uh, so as we read through some of these together and we read through um, the book of even Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes dealing with uh, what is the meaning of life. That's a very important question that everybody wants to know the answer to. And Ecclesiastes is in a monologue uh, talking about the practical and empirical speculations on that topic, on that idea. Why do some people die young and some people live longer? Why do some people 
build up wealth and then die with it and have done nothing with it. They didn't get to use it. You know, these are questions that come up in Ecclesiastes that help us work through the issue of meaning and purpose. And um, obviously, they're not without God. God will be brought up. And uh, certainly, it's from a Christian point of view, from a from a biblical perspective. And so these general principles, they still have God at the nucleus of it all. Uh, but much of it is deduced from what we can observe, not from special revelation that is given to us in such a way that we would never know without God revealing it to us. And so that's, uh, that's the primary things that uh, we were looking at when we're covering the wisdom literature. The last thing I will point to is I want to read uh, from Proverbs 2. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so there's a lot of ifs there. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this. And the point being made in this opening um, statement here in chapter two is that if you want it, you got to go after it and you have to seek it like silver, seek it like you would uh, finances or gold. You know, a lot of people put in a 40 day work week, just trying to get that money that they can use because we are lovers of money. We are. And so he says, compare it to that. Um, you may not put 40 hours into the reading of the Proverbs this week, but certainly if you want wisdom, uh, you're going to have to dedicate some time to it. And the more time you dedicate, the more it shows that you actually are in pursuit of it. And the more we pursue it, it seems is the more we'll get from it. God's not going to let you pursue wisdom in vain. In fact, James tells us that if we lack wisdom, ask God and he will give generously. And so be praying about wisdom. Be praying how you can be a wise person. And then on top of prayer, give your prayer some legs and go into the scriptures and look for wisdom. And then when you're done reading the scriptures, look for wisdom in God's natural creation, in his created order, the order of um, of nature, the trees and stars, sun, the moon, the order of the animal kingdom. You know, go to the ant, you sluggard. One of the things we'll read in the book of Proverbs, we can look at the ants. We can look at the things around us that are happening, the order of creation, and we can deduce um, various nuggets of wisdom that we can apply to our own lives, but we have to just compare it with scripture and in prayer, pursue God and his wisdom and we will find it. So I'm going to stop there for today. We'll pick up here next time on the Bible Brush Up Podcast.